Hey, what's up? Um, uh, not too much. Just chilling mostly. Yeah, just chilling. What's up with you? What's up with me? I'm uh, recording the newest episode of the Midnight Narwhal podcast. Sounds lame. What's it about? Uh, it's about narwhals. Wait, don't tell me. Midnight. Let me guess. Oh, cool. That's literally exactly what I was going to guess. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's actually not about that. But every episode I'm not is interested. about something different. Guy, but goodbye. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'll see you later, okay? Yeah. Bye. No, I had... All right. Well... Less banter in this episode today, uh, everybody, but the show must go on, I suppose. He actually, he walked away. He actually walked away. I thought I would give the people what they wanted. He's coming back. He's coming to return. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, though? This is the uh, newest episode of the Midnight Narwhal podcast. I am one of your hosts, James. That is a massive roach. Hi, I'm Andy. <laughs> He's still recording outside, just like last I'm week. I'm recording in my pavilion outside on the bayou in Louisiana. Yep. Where they have apparently just sprayed a bunch of um, bug chemicals that don't seem to be re- working at repelling any of the insects. Well, it's so. mosquitoes, not roach killer. But you'd think there'd be some like similar active ingredients. Aren't bugs? Aren't Roaches bugs? can survive like nuclear blasts. Yeah, I watched that MythBusters episode. I don't know if they can or not. I didn't watch that one, but they they tested it on on radiation. Like they were like, how much radiation can this thing survive? And they they concluded that it yeah, if like geothermal nuclear war broke out, which is a fun thing to say, then the roaches would not really be impacted that much. <laughs> No, nope. that would be a good episode, actually. Mm-hmm. Wait, on geothermal nuclear war? Yeah. Of this of this podcast, you think? Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. But typically, we talk about things that have happened and yeah, not no. things that, that will happen, might happen. You don't I'm going it? might. I'm trying to be an optimist. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Good for you. Let me know how that works out for you. Not well uh, so far. <laughs> Well, I mean, after last week's episode, I could see why you'd want to a little be a little bit of an optimist. That was uh, a story of true love. A story. Uh, so we record like on episodes that I'm not the ho- like the the lead host of or the storyteller of. Um, I use my work computer because it's so much easier uh, than using my personal computer, which is what I use to record on. Okay, but you sent me all those photos. <laughs> I did. And they were on my work computer. I was on vacation last week. And so I didn't touch my work computer like at all. But then I came back and I was in the office yesterday and I had to download something. And I go to my downloads folder and there's these (laughs) hideous reminders of that skin crawling story. <laughs> and uh, of course, I'm sitting next to our uh, our student intern. <laughs> and he goes, what is that? <laughs> and you told him you had he has to listen to our Halloween episode to find out. I did say that. But I also said that it was uh, an effigy. Um, and he goes, what's an effigy? And I said, okay, well, look, look it up later. Listen to the like, listen to the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so we'll get yeah. an extra listen on that episode yeah we will yeah and after listening <gasps> to the episode or what what i just realized i need to title that true love waits oh no no <laughs> <laughs> andy no oh 100 that's it's decided oh my goodness okay <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm so sorry, but it just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so good. Wow. All right. Well, you write that down in your little in your little. I am writing file. it down right now. Yep. <laughs> I'll um I'll go ahead and set up uh set up this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's my new favorite title <laughs> so yeah okay i won't edit this out see listeners this is like a behind the scenes view of what happens because by the time you've, you're listening to this you have listened to that and this like the, these these titles just hit us or we like they they just come at us in random uh, random times like this so you just it's got to, true you got to kind of get to see a behind the scenes peek at, at uh at how that came to be and i know that behind the scenes peak is utterly disappointing because i'm sure that you all thought we have thought through all of this and planned out Mm -hmm. and really spent time and effort on it no that is not the case at all at best this is like an eighth grade project uh, for me it is yeah yeah in terms of like the amount of studying that goes, <laughs> goes I mean, into this. Wikipedia it's is our number one resource. Oh, and it's a big one today. It's a big <laughs> one today. <laughs> Which I guess since I've said that is one of my, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and let you know the rest of my sources today for this episode uh, since uh, while we're rolling. Yes, Wikipedia is a massive source today. Ranker.com, which I've never heard of before. Or a website that like ranks like top 10 this, top 10 that. Kind of mm-hmm. like a BuzzFeed thing, except a little bit more. Scholarly. Yes, exactly. Uh, National Geographic was uh, uh, another resource. Uh, I've, I've used them before. Um, a bunch of YouTube videos. And all that is interesting.com. That's another one that, uh, that I use. This we for. have hit up all that is interesting a number of times mm-hmm. as a source. Yeah, yeah. Like this is probably like the fourth or fifth time that it's come up as a source. I think so. They're a good one. They're a good source. They are. But yeah, so our story today, because we'll just dive right in. Cool. uh, Begins in multiple locations and in multiple times. And they... So it's the multiverse. They intersect at a point, right? Okay. And we're going to start with one place in time until we can't any any longer. And then we'll go back to the other place. So like what I did last week. A little bit. Uh, I told you before we hit record, yeah, it kind of started as I was preparing for this, just like this one section, and it's it has exploded into what you will be hearing today. All right. Yeah. So um, I'm ready for this. Yeah. You know one of the men in this story. I, I, I'm super con- – like, you don't know know them, but, like, you know them. I, I doubt you know the second, though. Okay. So our first time and place is March 14th. 1879 on this day one of the world's greatest minds was brought into the world that march in ulm germany albert einstein was born that's exactly who i was guessing honestly yeah i figured you know time time wise yep but he was born to herman einstein who is a salesman and an engineer and pauline coach i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly yeah it Uh, sounds incredibly german the way you said it i'm sure it did um (laughs) There's a bunch of other German words that I'm going to butcher terribly. Um, And I thought about like writing this story in a way that would keep me from having to say them, but I thought it'd be more fun to at least. Oh, it's way more fun to Mm -hmm. just desecrate a person's language and Mm -hmm. culture. Well, it's the Germans, you know, they're, they're the bad guys. So uh, we're allowed to do it. Um, 
they're known for desecrating cultures. It's time to go back and do it to them. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, he was born in 1879. In 1880, the family moved to Munich, uh, where the, uh, the Einsteins, so his father and his uncle, founded, and this is... Bagels. No, this is... They have great bagels, by the way. I've never tried one until last week. Einstein Bagel Company. They're good. They're it. legit. They're really good. And generally, uh, if you had said, and his father and uncle started making bagels, I was going to get so stupid excited <laughs> that we were doing a bagel episode. No. And also that Albert Einstein is actually part of it. No, I don't think he's... I think it's a different Einstein family. But, I mean, they're cashing in on that name recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, they ain't stupid. But no, so um, Herman and Jacob Einstein founded the, and this is where it's going to get a little bit difficult to pronounce, Elektrotechnische Fabrik J. Einstein and Kai. Totally butchered that. Is that one word? That's one word with the hyphens? J. Einstein. Uh, okay. After it, yeah. It's a company that manufactures electrical equipment based on the direct current, which was a big thing back then, you know, like DC mm-hmm. and AC. And there was a big war uh, between. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, I'm sure we'll get to that in a future episode as well. But yeah, that's what they did. His his father, like I said, was a salesman and an engineer. And so they they kind of were on the forefront of of new technology being developed around this newfangled thing called electricity. In 1894, unfortunately, Herman and Jacob's company lost a bid to supply the city of Munich with electrical lighting because they lacked the capital to convert their equipment from direct current to the standard and more efficient alternating current. So, yeah, spoiler alert. AC beat out DC in that whole thing. Um, it's way easier to use, and it's simpler, and it's safer. And so it's they backed HD DVD. Yeah, not Blu-ray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't go all in. Yep, you don't, and they did. So it, it sucked. The loss forced them to sell uh, that factory that they had in Munich. Yikes. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was, they lost everything. It was devastating. Um, so in search of business, the Einstein family then moves to Italy. Europe is like, I always forget how Europe is just like, yeah, you know, you can go to country to country and country to country. It's not mm-hmm. not like America where it's just, you're all in America. But yeah, so they just hopped over to Italy because, you know, you're... Why not? Yeah, why not? So they started in Milan and then a few months later uh, went to uh, Pavia. Uh, and then the family again uh moved um but still within pavia einstein who was then 15 years old albert einstein at this point sorry there's a lot of einsteins i know yeah good old albert uh uh, he's 15 he stayed in munich he did not want to to go off with the rest of the family and they let him just stay so he stayed to finish his studies at uh, the Leopold gymnasium like yeah, I don't understand what he's learning at the gymnasium. Um, Clearly gymnastics. I, I suppose. He's learning how to tumble. His father intended uh, for him to pursue electrical engineering. You know, that's the family business. Just do it. Uh, but Einstein But don't clashed. back the wrong current. Exactly, you know. 
Uh, Einstein clashed with the authorities and resented the school's regimen and teaching method. I mean, that, that's that's very common knowledge. Like he, he, I say if you common knowledge, but like if if you know a little bit about Einstein, if you did a report on him in in school, you know he didn't like school. He didn't like the regimen mm-hmm. of it, the the how mundane it was. He dropped out of multiple schools that we'll see um, a little bit uh, going forward in his story. Um, but yeah, he just didn't like it. He later wrote that the spirit of learning and creative thought was lost in strict rote learning, which I, I mean, Ouch. I, I, I totally understand that sentiment though. Like there, oh, yeah. there's a lot to be said regarding that. And when this person who is, is looked at as one of the smartest minds ever is saying that, you question why there's not more weight behind it or, or, or things aren't done a little bit differently. But I mean, this is also a man who didn't wear socks. True. So um, or, or cared about his hair. And I mean, I thought his hair was glorious. And uh, also a guy who married his cousin that we'll learn about in a little bit. So, yeah. So yeah. like not infallible, not, he's not. No. In, yeah. Um, so at the end of December, 1894, he traveled back to Italy to join his family because uh, he hated school and he convinced the school to let him go. Like, so at that point, it was like one of those schools where like you're living there and, and he's like, I need have a-, a big wall around it and the gates are locked unless mm-hmm. you have a special pass. So he, uh, he let him go by using a doctor's note. He's like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, so I, mean, I love in the 1800s, they were forging doctor's notes back then too, uh-huh. to get out of going to class. Yep. It's just, you know, it's always been there. Uh, and to know that I, Albert Einstein did that, like that's that makes me happy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So during his time in Italy, he wrote a short essay because you know he's a smart kid. That's what he does for fun. It's what nerds do for fun, I guess. Uh, back in the 1890s, and he wrote it on the investigation of the state of the ether in a magnetic field. I have no okay. idea what that means. <laughs> Uh, well, clearly, he's writing about the state of the ether inside of a magnet- magnetic field. But what is an ether in a magnetic field? Like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't understand it. So, well, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I'm not, I'm not really all Get that on smart. our level. Uh, Einstein excelled at math and physics from a very young age. Uh, he reached a mathematical level years ahead of his peers. Um, when Einstein was 12, he taught himself algebra and, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Euclidean geometry. Yep, uh, you nailed it. Over a single summer. I don't know what that is. Um, it's it's basically geometry. Then why did, okay, you don't know what that is either. Do I do. But Euclidean geometry is, I mean, it's basically geometry i could have told you it's a type of geometry it's got, it's i got, didn't say a type of geometry i said it's basically geometry okay well yeah he he taught himself algebra and that geometry over a single summer he also independently discovered his own original proof proof of the pythagorean theorem i do know what that is I, that's the one thing i i do remember from uh, my math classes in school Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're just going to have to believe me that I, I know what it is. A, uh, <laughs> um, that is. I S- almost pushed back on that. 
It is a squared plus b squared equals c squared, right? I think that's what it is. <laughs> a family tutor named Max Talmud says that after he had given the 12-year-old Einstein a geometry textbook, um, a short time later, he had worked through the entire book. Um, <laughs> What a nerd. I know, oh, I my gosh. Yeah. Uh, he thereupon devoted himself to higher mathematics. So soon the flight of his mathematical genius was, was just so high that it could not be followed. That's like a quote from the family tutor. Wow. So when the person that is getting paid to teach your family math, math. is saying, hey, yeah, he's smarter than me. Um, and he's 12 and he's 12 yeah um, and 12 year olds are n notoriously stupid mm-hmm mm -hmm. yeah and after he mastered algebra and geometry he uh started teaching himself calculus still at the age of 12 but also why why would you want to learn any of those things so i don't understand it because but i I'm trying to frame it in this because I don't I don't think that it's not a valid sort of hobby or or passion. Uh, I'll there, go straight up and say it's not a valid but, hobby. But like here, because I would say also there are some people who see this and uh, and totally understand this desire of just like I have the, I need to learn I want to learn I love this sort of thing because I have that thing about music about film about doing stuff like this about history but i don't have that about math and like i i despise math but math is boring people, there are some people who think that about history there are some people who think that about the things that i like so but that's okay uh, we can we can say bad things about those people they don't listen to this podcast that's also true yeah and he's dead algebra uh, like spoiler alert einstein's dead so i mean oh. what's he gonna do yeah, freaking nerd. So you can study uh, math all you want, but you're still going to die. So what a wasted life. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so he started teaching himself calculus at 12. And as a 14-year-old, he said he had mastered integral and differential calculus. Oh. Yeah. So he's, he's very smart. Um, uh, I'll say, yeah. Very smart. And also has no friends. I mean, you wouldn't think he'd have time to if he's doing all this math. But right? also, no one's going to be his friend. No. But it, so, and, and it also just, it wasn't just math. So like at age 13, in between all of this calculus and algebra and geometry and stuff like that, he became kind of interested in philosophy. So he started reading Kant and... Oh, Kant, that's a good one. Kant became his favorite philosopher. Um, yeah, let's get a 13-year-old really invested in Kant. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, his, uh, he was introduced to Kant's critique of pure reason. And one of uh, the, another family tutor is quoted as saying, at the time, he was still a child, only 13. Yet Kant's works, which were incomprehensible to ordinary mortals, seemed abundantly clear to young Albert. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So not only is he a nerd, but he's a monster. He's well, yeah. Like, he's, oh my like, gosh. He's, he's he's like all the. If he had a little bit rougher of a life, evil genius. Like 100%. oh, straight up, yeah. it would have been like, 
yeah, I escaped from the Nazis. It'd be like, no, I am a Nazi. Yeah. I am like all about killing everyone. Which, yeah. Yes, please. If he wasn't Jewish, because I, I love that part out. Like, yeah, he, he yeah, was I mean, Jewish. There's that. If he wasn't Jewish, yeah. <laughs> it, it could have been. Oh my gosh. Just, so. I did not know about the Kant thing. Mm -hmm. Just, wow. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. So, uh, moving on, uh, at the age of 16, Einstein took the entrance exam for the Swiss Federal Polytechnic School in Zurich. Um, he failed. Kind of, like, shocker. You know, what an he, idiot. Oh, my uh, gosh. He failed to reach the required standard in the general part of the examination, but he obtained exceptional grades in physics and mathematics. Obviously, the parts that he likes, he's doing great at. Uh huh. I can totally relate to that. There's like there there'd be there's a te like there's a, the ACT, yep. um, and well the, in all of standardized testing, you know there's this there's sectioned off portions for reading, writing, math, comprehension, stuff like that. Um, I would always do abysmal in the math section. I'd do okay in the science section, but I would always do best in history and in reading and writing even though I don't love reading and writing, but I love history. You know, you just excel at what you enjoy. I totally uh -huh. understand that. Uh, but he didn't do good enough. That's why I excel at being awesome. Hey, heck yeah. Because um, being awesome, I love being awesome, right? Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, so he didn't do good enough on the like standard parts of the test to actually get in. But when they saw his... I, I can only imagine like the grader for that test, like seeing that, <laughs> like going through, oh, this kid's an idiot. Oh my gosh. Whoa. What's this kid is not an idiot. That's weird. Was he like, did you run out of time and just fill in blanks? So like, like, I don't know, like, um, almost savant level sort of like differences in, in his grade. In yeah. Sides Which, I mean, that would make sense. Like, I wonder how, like truly how poorly he did in the other subjects mm -hmm. um, for like, how bad do you have to be in the others? If you are basically correcting the test in the math and physics stuff, totally. And then you, but they're like, yeah, you can't come to our school because you can't comprehend what you're reading. Like I, you know, like, like how bad are the other stuff do you have to be to not be allowed still be let yeah. in when you're clearly, heads and shoulders above everything else yeah so on the advice of the principal of the polytech school he um he attended the argovian cantonal school in um oh that's a good school it's, it's also in switzerland and in 1895 and 1896 he completes all his secondary schooling um at that at that school so the principal probably saw the grade and saw the test and understood hey you you've got potential unfortunately like i just i can't let you in it's not like a forrest gump situation um, <laughs> um but i don't think you should give up on schooling or anything like it so like how you should go here finish your you know maybe it's like hey you didn't get into the four-year college but go to the go to community college and then maybe try again um in a couple years maybe maybe something along those lines you can be part of a quirky group that meets together in the study hall at the library. Totally. And go on all kinds of fun adventures. Yeah. Sounds like a... I'd really, watch that show. So would I. That sounds like a great TV show. Mm-hmm. 
because it is sponsor <laughs> mm-hmm. um, six seasons in a movie no um <laughs> so uh while he's at that school because all these schools are like they're like lodging schools like you go there and you live there i mean he's 16 so and it's in switzerland his family's still in italy so obviously yeah but he he would actually lodge with uh this family of a professor at the school oh. and he fell in love with uh this professor's daughter um that's why you don't let students stay at your house mm-hmm. this daughter's name was marie and albert's sister uh maja later married maja maja m-a-j-a okay i'm assuming that's how it's pronounced um later married another one of this professor's uh children so that's weird i know i don't like that i don't i don't like this yep so in 1896 with uh his father's approval einstein renounced his citizen citizenship in the german kingdom um to avoid military service now Uh oh a draft dodger draft dodger um i mean i knew he was i knew he was shady it's the german military though (laughs) so i mean yeah which was a very very good and strong military force uh uh-huh um in september 1896 he passed the swiss matura with mostly good grades including uh um a top grade of six in physics and mathematics on a scale of one to six so i mean it's not like a six out of you know like a hundred or something like that yeah yeah he he got top marks Uh, at 17 he enrolled in a four-year mathematics and physics teaching diploma program at polytech and his true love marie Marie Winteller was her name, who was actually a year older than Albert Einstein. Oh, uh, yeah. Going after them cougars? Yeah. Um, moved with him uh, to uh, Augsburg, Switzerland for a teaching position. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, Einstein's future wife, a 20-year-old Serbian named uh, Maleva Marek, also enrolled at this polytech school. Wait, there's a lot of female associated, associated with Albert does not fit Mm-mm. with a guy who was really into math. I don't know. I mean, some of these old pictures, you know, that mustache before. I mean, he seems like a nice, nice, solid man. But, you know, but he's really into math. He is really into math. He is typically not an attractive like a super like math genius or a typically a genius at all is not typically not someone who's attractive to anyone else. Maybe other geniuses. No, I don't think geniuses get along. Cause most of the time, if you're like a genius level intellect, you can't deal with other people very well. So you're just saying all geniuses are born of idiots. No, but I'm saying a lot of geniuses like they're not marrying other geniuses. Then who are they marry? Regular people. Oh. Who compared to them are idiots. Yeah. Well, anyway, this uh Maliva Marek, she enrolls as a student at this polytech school where Albert is like in the teaching diploma program so it's like his master i'm seeing problems developing yeah 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 yeah. and remember like he he went there because like originally there was this other chick that he liked you know Uh uh-huh and so it was 
Like, oh, well, I like this one lady. And you don't like, change schools for a girl. Mm -mm, mm -mm. You don't do it. Yeah. And, but this, this uh, girl named Maleva, um, she was the only woman among the six students in mathematics and physics section of the teaching diploma course. Um, and over the next few years, Einstein's and Mark's friendship developed into a romance. So, uh -huh. yeah. Um, so he got out of the friend zone. He got out of the friend zone. I guess he abandoned this desire to be with um, this older older woman um, that he actually moved there for. So it's kind and of and went for the younger one. For the younger one, a little bit more age appropriate, maybe. Um, but you know, it's it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, their friendship turned into a romance. They spent countless hours um, debating and reading books together on extracurricular physics. Okay, See? hold on, BRB, I'm gonna go drown myself in the bayou. They they loved science and each other. You know, yeah. Einstein used to write letters to, to Marek that he preferred studying alongside her. In 1900, Einstein passed the exams in math and physics and was awarded a federal teaching diploma. Wow, yep. good for him. Good for him. He's got a teaching diploma. He's got someone he enjoys studying math with. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some eyewitness uh, accounts and several letters that might indicate that... She was made up? No, That no, she no. wasn't real? No, that um, she did some of Einstein's work that he what? did. What? There's only a few. They're not super substantiated, but I, I needed to at least let that known. Let that be known. Like the stuff he did to get his diploma? Little bit. and or, also... or, or like the famous stuff later? No, no. Just like to get his diploma. And, okay. Um, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, there's some other physics stuff, like some papers that he wrote. Not like the famous, famous ones, but yeah, still. Yeah. Still ones that he, he wrote, but they're all unsubstantiated. So, But uh, there are those claims anyway being made. Interesting. Yep. Um, I'm continuing to move on. Um, early correspondence between Einstein and his uh, lady Maliva discovered that they had a daughter um, born in 1902. Um, now Mark returned to Switzerland without the child though, um, whose name and fate are unknown. So there's this just like, unknown, what? yeah, um, it kind of just goes, there's, there's no, it just ends. Like there's no continuation of this, like, oh yeah, we had this daughter. So there's some people that think she passed away, um, of scarlet fever in infancy, which was a common thing, a common occurrence. Uh -huh. And with it being this couple's first first child and them both being away from family, maybe they just didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to share that grief. They wanted to kind of keep that to themselves. Or they thought maybe they, hey, we're young. We don't really want to have this kid yet. Let's put it up for adoption. Those are the two main, main things that, that were brought or up. Or what if they killed it and ate it? I don't think that's what they did. Also, but we don't have any proof that they, that they didn't. There's no proof that they didn't, but also... Um, that was a rumor that I heard, also unsubstantiated. Also unsubstantiated, but also they weren't married yet either, so it was like an out-of-wedlock sort of thing. Like, hey, we're not married, and we have this kid. Oh, no. So 
you know, like we should give it up for adoption so that, you know, but interesting. Yeah. Now they were officially married in 1903. In May of 1904, they had a son together named Hans Albert Einstein. Um, and he was born in Switzerland. They also had a son named Edward who was born in Zurich in 1910. And then the couple moved back to German, uh, to Germany, to Berlin in April of 1914. Ooh, not a good time to go back to Germany. <laughs> Ooh, no, no. Poorly time. What were they thinking? Yeah. Um, I mean, you could probably get property pretty cheap at that point. Oh, sure, sure. Um, but despite, you know, the, the family growing um, and everything, all was not well in the Einstein house. See, when they moved to Berlin, Marek, um, she wanted to go to Zurich uh, with their sons and actually ended up doing that. She took the sons oh. because she found out that Einstein now had some chief romantic attraction, not between him and, you know, her, but between him and his cousin. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know how that goes. I don't. I definitely do not know how that goes. I cannot stress this enough. I do not know how that goes. No, no, no. You get it. You know. I do not. It is very foreign to me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, his first cousin uh, maternally and second cousin paternally. I don't know how that works, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's a whole other extra layer. Some. So apparently being into cousins seems to be genetic. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, her um, her name was Elsa Lowenthal. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I never thought that I would have problems keeping up with all the different women in Albert Einstein's life. Albert's a that's player. Not, that's not something I ever thought I was going to do. Albert's a definite player, not going to lie. And it, it doesn't Which stop. Which makes no sense. It does not stop now. That's all I'm going to say. Like, just, this is blowing my mind right now. I know. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Albert and uh, his, his, his wife, Maleva, divorced uh in february of 1919 after living apart for five years now as, right. a, as a part of this divorce settlement einstein agreed to give marek all of his nobel prize money he had actually won the nobel prize a couple years later but i'm assuming just those those divorce settlements and proceedings and all that stuff went divorce court on. yeah it goes on and stuff and so maybe it was just uh all right, stop bugging me, woman. We're divorced. Here's we'll here's throw an extra money here. Take this. Because yeah. I got a hot cousin I want to be with. Yeah. Uh, which... Ugh. Problematic, for sure. Very problematic. Um, and not... I mean, within the same year of his divorce, he got married to his cousin, Elsa Lowenthal. I'm uh, sorry. Excuse me for a second while I go drown myself in the bayou over here. Again, that's number two today. Yep. Um... So after and after having a relationship with her since 1912. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh -huh. Yeah. So they had had a, an ongoing relationship over those years. Um, so and some of those years he was still living with his wife and his children. This man's a monster. Yeah. It's the Kant. It's they let him get into Kant it's, at 13. It's the philosophy. <laughs> Uh, or he just he just channeled all his like would be like evilness into you know just into having, being a being horrible ladies. douchey yeah. person yeah 
They immigrated in uh, to the United States in 1933. Elsa was diagnosed with heart and kidney problems in 1935, and then died in 1936. But they they'd remain married that whole time is 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 really sad. Um, mm-hmm. For her and the kids. For her and the kids, but also um, it's not Einstein's only love interest either. There's more. <laughs> Yeah, math and science. So, no, Einstein, in 1923, while he was still married to his cousin, fell in love again with a secretary named Betty Newman. See, I don't think he's ever fallen in love. Counterpoint. He doesn't know what love is. He needs someone to show him. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should write a song about that. Yeah, but yeah, so this was uh, a secretary. The secretary was the niece of a close friend. (laughs) Why? I'm sorry. Don't, yeah, I I don't understand. Albert, stop it. I don't understand uh, the dating world of like the early early 20th century. Uh, it seems to be a lot of like who you know and who's who you're related to. And is there a um, young female that you're related to? If yeah. so, I'm into her. <laughs> yes, and thank you. Yeah, that's weird. Um, but yeah, so also, how does that come up? You're just like hanging out with your friend. You're like, oh yeah. Here is my niece. She's twelve. Mm-hmm. Boy, in a couple of years, I'm gonna be really into her. Oh man! Like and like, yeah. Yep. It's so gross. Yep. And so, I mean, he was quite the the ladies' man in in 2006. Um, a volume of letters was released by the uh, Hebrew University of Jerusalem, in which Einstein had described six different women, including uh, Margaret Lebach a blonde Austrian lady, Estella Katzenellenbogen, uh, a rich owner of a florist business, Tony Mendel, a wealthy Jewish widow, and Ethel Makinowski, a Berlin socialite, all with whom he had spent time with and from whom he received gifts, all while being married to Elsa. Oh my gosh. Yep. Later, after the death of his second wife, Elsa, uh, he briefly... Uh, and how did was- she die? Uh, she had heart and kidney problems. Hmm. Yep. I don't think sounds he, like poison to me. I don't know. No, not everything is is poison and and backstabbing and stuff. Look, I heard an unsubstantiated rumor that he killed Elsa. Okay. So he could be with another woman. You can't just make something up it and was, say that it's an unsubstantiated rumor. I'm literally saying that it's unsubstantiated. I believe that means I can make it up. isn't that what unsubstantiated means that there's no bearing to it whatsoever this is fake news this is fake news (laughs) yeah so yeah after elsa my dentist has a toddler boy she is something great (laughs) hi i'm albert einstein i'm a horrible horrible man kill me now the funny thing is this is this episode isn't really even so much about albert and we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm making it about Albert because uh-huh. I am now on a one-man crusade to tear down everyone's idea of who Albert Einstein is. Yep. But yeah, after Elsa died, he was uh, in a brief relationship with um, a Russian spy uh, named Margaret Konnikova. Okay, this suddenly got way cooler. I know, right? Keep talking. Um, yeah. Is that it? It was, a br- it was just a brief relationship. It was like a fling, you know. It is what it is. So she downloaded all the information she could from him and then was like, bye. Yep. 
Do we know about any of her familiar relations and how they know Albert? Uh, no, they, we don't, unfortunately. Okay. Now, Einstein's second son, Edward, um, who he had with his first wife. He had all his, all his kids with his first wife that we know of. His son, Edward. Except for the one that he killed. Okay. And yeah. ate. Um, had a breakdown um, at age 20 and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And his mother. Killed. Yeah, maybe because his dad is yeah. like constantly like, hey, here's another lady. That's your mom now. Yeah. She's now your mom. It's a lot of weirdness. Here's another your mom. And it's also. Hey, here's another related, one of your mom. It's also related to you in, in, in some way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, so his mom loved him and cared for him and was so committed to. Did she love and care for healthy. all of him's? Yes, but also got him committed to asylums for several periods just because it was so bad. This well, but if he was being dangerous. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's what, that's a loving thing to do. Um, but he was getting people the help they need. Yeah. He was finally committed permanently after she had died. So, Oh geez. Um, yeah. It, it, it's not a great ending to, to Edward's. Story. Well, and certainly like asylums in the 1920s. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they're oh. doing electroshock and Oh gosh. Up, it's, it's yeah. Trying that's, a bunch of, yeah, it's, it's a bad place to be. Definitely. I actually considered doing an episode on like mental health care facilities and stuff and kind of like a history of that and i was like nope that would be by far the most depressing episode we've ever done that would be more horrible than carl and elena so no mm -hmm. we're yeah. not doing that nope. glad we're not doing that so um that was just like a, a deep dive into his personal life his romantic life but we'll take uh, the next few minutes and talk about his professional life. So he started, okay. um, you know, there's the famous thing. He was a patent clerk and he was a patent clerk. After graduating in 1900, he spent two very frustrating years uh, searching, just looking for a teaching job. You know, like a lot of people outside of college when they finish. Oh, yeah. Like I need I need a job that's not like flipping burgers or whatever. Um, you know, and I don't know how many flipping job burgers there were in the early 1900s. Okay. But like the, the, the concept of it, like the, like the do nothing go the dead end sort of job. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, like he, he could not get a, a job as a teacher. He acquired Swiss citizenship in 1901, uh, but was not conscripted into their like draft for medical reasons. Um, Yeah. And so finally, he found a job later that year, um, just because he had some help um, of a guy named Marcel Grossman and um, a few other friends. They helped him get. Does he have a nephew named Rex? No, no. Who played quarterback? Nope. Uh, but yeah, just helped him get a job. So it was like a. It's like a. Oh, I know a guy who who might have allowed me to pull. Like who might be able to pull some strings and get me a job. Um, just just a job you know nothing nothing great and he hated his time there it was it was awful but um there was one perk to it is that like because it was just this like mundane sort of job he was able to while he's just he, he was great at multitasking he was able to just actually well clearly he's juggling women like nobody's <laughs> business juggling women like what nobody's business but he's able to like think through a lot of these a lot of these theories that he has about the universe and about the world around us and um and women mm -hmm. about yeah a lot of a lot of women um 
he so he evaluated patent applications for a variety of devices, including like a gravel sorter and a electromechanical typewriter. Okay. Um, by 1903, his position at the Swiss Patent Office became permanent, so it was a full time gig. Although he was passed over for promotion until he fully mastered machine technology. Um, okay. Yeah, it was is. Uh, you know, it's a normal, it's an office work environment. You know, there's politics in the office. and I feel like he, um, I, I was literally about to say, I feel like he's probably not good at the office politics. No, no. However, if you're able to handle that many women, you're probably pretty good at office politics. I'd, I'd think so. I would hope so. And he's learning a lot. Not, I mean, his, his father was an engineer too. So he know it's not just like theo- theoretical stuff that's in yeah. his head. He knows machinery and how things work he understands that and he would take those theories and say or he would take that understanding and apply them to the theories about you know how he's viewing the world and it was really really cool um he made some friends after like like throughout his time working there and he, he started a small discussion group with these friends and they mockingly called themselves the olympia academy <laughs> which met regularly to discuss science okay. and philosophy and life and um yeah it was um it was a unique sort of like small group of of thinkers you know they're bouncing a think ideas. tank a if you tank. will yeah they're think they're bouncing ideas off each other so would you ever date your aunt mm. hey just just throwing that out there what, what do you guys think what do you guys think yeah no no yeah obvious reasons obvious reasons uh-huh uh-huh but what if you like love her because like I love her. Like really, really into her. Yeah. No, still no. Okay. No, she um, wasn't married into the family. She actually is the family. Uh-huh. <laughs> but also during all this time, uh, he is starting to publish scientific papers. You know, that's what you do as a scientist. You think of an idea, you write it down, and you publish it. So you For the betterment of mankind. Yep. He published four groundbreaking papers in 1905 um, on the photoelectric effect, the Brownian motion, special relativity, special relativity, and the equivalence of mass and energy. There's the, you know, yeah, E equals. Yeah, the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yep. And Euclidean geometry. Uh-huh. All coming back. Big. Full circle. Big names, big words. And so those four papers really brought him a lot of notoriety um, in the academic world. And he was only 26. Yeah, that young bad boy of science. Mm -hmm. Ooh, look at him. Yep. Cousin lover. With his messy hair and stinky feet. Mustache grower. (laughs) Ladies man. Ugh. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was a smart guy. Um, And he had a massive academic career that, I mean, is still impacting how physics is understood and how people view the world. I mean, I I remember growing up learning about him in school and just being like, yeah, he's a scientist. And then, you know, there's things that like you teach in elementary school that you don't continue on learning about and in middle school and, and, and then in high school or, yep. um, you know, it's like, Hey, we're not making models of the planets anymore in middle school and in, in high school, but in elementary Which school, it's a are. shame because the models would look so much better, so much better. But then there's also things that like, Hey, we're not going to read the grapes of wrath to second graders, 
you shouldn't read that anyway. It's a boring, long, boring, crappy book. But um, that's like reserved for also. We're not teaching our thirteen-year-olds Immanuel Kant. No, um, but Einstein as like a person that you needed to know was not something that like like growing up it was not something that's like okay like you'll learn about him when you're older it's no like you're just like i don't know what your kids are are, are learning right now and like and i don't know well what now i have to change everything i've been teaching them about yeah. who albert einstein is <laughs> yeah you might have to um hey so josiah he uh, is what do you think of your cousin uh no no Ugh. Okay. What I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to communicate is that he is such, he has made such an impact in the world. Um, not just in the scientific community, but just in pop culture and, and, and our, oh, yeah. and our understanding of what, what science, what a scientist is that we don't reserve that, that knowledge and understanding just for like middle school and high schoolers like no like in elementary school you learned you learn a little bit about him oh he mm -hmm. was this i remember like that's what i remember learning about him and yeah i didn't knew what i didn't know what e equals mc squared meant um do you know today energy what e equals mc squared is? energy equals mass times the speed of light squared i don't know how that impacts um anything anything no yeah but yeah so you yeah. really don't know what e equals mc squared means yeah. like you don't really get it you just i don't think i know what the, the letters i don't think i'm for. in the minority there um well i don't know what school you went to but i think everyone i know very clearly knows the depth of of that meaning and its impact in our world today okay all right well um, how's the world look at uh, look like from your ivory tower up there, Andy, and your smart people land? It's very small and full of idiots. Very small and full of idiots. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But yeah, um, I mean, he was he was a genius, and he traveled all around the world. Um, he immigrated to the United States in 1933 to avoid persecution under the uh, Nazis. Totally understandable, you know they they weren't. Yeah, I don't super, blame him for that. weren't super kind to Jewish people. Um, so yeah, he, he, um, he claimed refugee status and moved uh, to the United States and the USA was happy to take him. We're like, yeah, you're smart. Come on, <laughs> move over here. Um, you all, whenever talent presents itself and offers it, you always have to accept talent. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he, uh, Offered up his Always. genius towards uh, er, to the Manhattan Project in the late 30s and early 40s, um, which led to the development of uh, eventually the atomic bomb. Um, I mean, he wasn't the only German scientist. So he's a womanizer and a mass murderer. And a mass murderer, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, he settled down in New Jersey. Um, oh. Yeah. And, and, um, well, I mean, we already knew he was trashy, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fits. Yep. That's where he uh, he called home. Uh, he joined the National Association of the. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. Oh no, that that is correct. Sorry. He joined the NAACP in Princeton. Uh, what? I I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah. Where he campaigned for uh, African American civil rights. Uh, he considered 
racism America's worst disease, seeing it um, as this thing that's like handed down from one generation to the next. Okay, now I kind of like him a little bit more. Yeah, anti-racist. That's a that's a good thing. See, everyone has pros and cons to them, Andy. There's not just like you do one bad thing and you're like you're. Well, actually, no, I won't say. He it didn't way. do just one bad thing. He did a lot of bad things. Yeah. He did do a lot of bad things, but he's not a racist. You can say that. He's not a racist. Nope. And that is a positive, you Definitely know, and not a racist. And I wonder how much of gen, like genuine, and I'm not trying to belittle it, but I wonder how much of that came from what he experienced in Germany where he's like, Hey, you shouldn't be this opposed to a person just because of who their parents were or etc um you know as as someone who very much experienced racism um and then sees sees probably in some ways the exact same things playing out and uh i wonder how much that impacted him in terms of that viewpoint um or if that's something he already held before he experienced a person i'm just not i'm not trying to you know like belittle that in any way i'm just just curious and i'm not that you have an answer but no i don't but um i mean i'm sure that that definitely impacted his his view his world view Uh, how could it not i don't know how it couldn't yeah um i mean that every all of our experiences are shaping how we view the world so um but something that intense and something that 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 of that magnitude um to move over here and to see one of our biggest um stains um uh, on the on absolutely uh, on our tapestry of of history i don't think he could just sit idly by so it's no surprise that he he was very staunchly opposed to to racism in any form um and so yeah i'm glad I, i mentioned that because that's definitely a, a feather in his cap. It is. Um, so in his dirty, nasty cap. <laughs> um, now, eventually, though, you know, death waits for no man. On April 1955, Einstein experienced internal bleeding caused by the rupture of an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Oh gosh! Yeah, which had previously been in, been reforced surgically um, in 1948. But um, he was, you know, you know, it's the 40s and technology and, and medical technology wasn't what it, what it is today. And, you know, you just you can't escape death no matter what. So it's just it's just was inevitable. But he took this draft of a speech that he was preparing for television appearance. Um, and sorry, I, I won't say that. Um, OK. But yeah, he um, I meant to cut that out. But but yeah he he knew it was it was it was his time it wasn't like he had the aneurysm and it like he died immediately um, he surgery could have been performed um, okay and it might have been successful in prolonging life a little bit longer but Einstein refused surgery he said I I want to go when I want to go um, it's tasteless to pro- to prolong life artificially I have done my share on this world. It is time to go. I will do so elegantly. And uh, he died in Princeton Hospital early the next morning at the age of 76. Uh, Having continued to work uh, until the very near end. 
All right. Yeah. Um, that's that's the end of of Albert Einstein. Now I, I know I mentioned that there's another character in this in this story. Yeah, I've been waiting for this intersection to happen. So, um, and now I'm like, did you find another Carl and Elena? No, because um, if the intersection is happening after his death, then hmm. no. So October 1912, Thomas Stoltz Harvey was born in Louisville, Kentucky. In what year? 1912. Okay. So by this time, Albert Einstein is already, you know, he's already making, um, making big waves in the world of science. Mm-hmm. In the world around him. Thomas Stoltz Harvey uh, was a doctor. He was uh, a pathologist. And uh, one thing he did was uh, conduct autopsies. Um, he was the doctor that performed the autopsy on Albert Einstein. Okay. Now, Albert, like I said, he, I mean, he, he knew his time was, was coming. Um, and even cause he, he had the surgery done on his heart in 1948. So I'm, I'm sure he knew that he didn't have much longer even after that. And he's, he's been quoted many times saying he did not want to be buried. He did not want to be idolized in any way. He wanted to be cremated and spread and his ashes spread in different locations secretly so that no one could like idolize and worship sort of. Cause like he was okay. this massive figure he didn't want to be, uh, he didn't want to be remembered like that. He just wanted to to go peacefully, and um, so yeah, he just wanted to be cremated. He didn't want any parts of him. See, I lo- I love that he was like, hey, I want to be burned, and then like have a bunch of different people take my ashes to a bunch of different secret locations, just hide them, mm-hmm. and that's the opposite of me. I want to be burned and cremated, and then someone take my ashes to a very large concert and shoot them at a confetti cannon. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever you want, you know, it's your final wishes. You know, like they have however. to do it. They can't say no. You can't say no. Yeah. It's the law. It is the law. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. That's, that's what I, that's what Albert wanted. So he's getting this autopsy performed on him. I mean, he's dead, so he doesn't really know that he's getting this autopsy performed on him. <laughs> um, but Dr. Harvey... Discovered there was a rat in his hair that was no, pulling and driving the no, thing no, no, the entire no. time. No, he, he, he knew who this was. He's like, this is Albert Einstein. Well, how could you not? He was the greatest mind the world has ever known. I have to preserve his mind. So he cut his head open... And stole Albert's brain. As you do. Also stole his eyeballs. Whoa. Um, that that made it worse. Somehow. <laughs> I don't know how, but somehow that made it worse. Listen, you opened the door talking about weird body things last week. So don't talk about <laughs> me like saying this is bad. All right. Well, we know from last week that things break down and decay. You don't get to keep that stuff forever. So he put them in, in formaldehyde. Okay, so you can't keep it for close to forever. And he didn't keep the eyeballs. He went to Einstein's um, uh, ophthalmologist and said, "Hey, here you go. Here's 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 Albert's eyeballs." Okay. And so uh, imagine 
it's Christmas morning. <laughs> and your friend comes over as like, no, hey. not friend, just another doc. Just like, Hey, I know I heard you were Albert's eye doctor. Oh, Here's so his eyes. Not a friend. <laughs> As like, hey, I have this for you. This will be a wonderful gift that you will cherish forever. I saw these and thought of you. <laughs> they also have seen you. And oh, God, like how messed up do you have to be to think that's an appropriate gift? Don't idea. No idea. But yeah, so he, he gave the eyeballs to the uh, to the eye doctor who then and apparently like there there's. There's no way to know that like there, nobody knows exactly where they are to this day, but some people believe that I heard no. <laughs> an unsubstantiated rumor that they were used as baseballs in a street game in an alley in New York City. OK, yeah, that's not true. Um it was an unsubstantiated rumor, but it's what I heard. <laughs> some people believe that the eye doctor took the the jar that they were in and put it in a safety deposit box in New Jersey and that's where it still is to this day. I feel like eventually they do have to look in some of those safety deposit boxes. I think so. You know, like you can't just ignore like, them forever. No one's opened the safety deposit box in 75 years. Yep. So, I like at some point, don't you have as a bank have to look in it and just be like, "Hey, is anyone caring about this thing anymore and what if you're that bank employee that opens it up after Ooh, you don't get any response for it and oh. you're like it's a pair of eyeballs yeah. and is like is there a label in the jar that's like Einstein's a eyes. einstein Ooh. or is it just a eyeballs. jar with eyeballs in it Ugh. which that's got to be about the creepiest thing you could find opening up a safety deposit box yeah that, that is weird or even worse what if like a great grandchild like they're cleaning out like their parents attic after their parents die and find a key and are able to trace it back to the safety deposit box. Like, what is this? It's eyeballs. It's literally eyeballs. Ooh. Or what's even worse is if that great grandfather and the doctor knew each other and the coroner knew that the great grandfather was really into collecting eyeballs and they open the safe deposit box and it's like 35 jars filled with eyeballs. So, I mean, we're, we're cause getting, it's actually a serial killer and not just an eye doctor. We're getting into the weeds here. The reason Harvey did like, okay, I can't, I can't speak for the eyeballs, but for the brain, <laughs> <laughs> the reason he took the brain was because he's like the, this was, this man was a genius. Maybe there's things we can learn from his brain. And maybe like if there's there's things that make just this genius intellect unique or there's things that we can under greater understand how the body works and how the mind works in geniuses as opposed to average dumb people, maybe there's something to be seen here. And so he took the brain, preserved it. But again, this was all like Einstein did not want this. This was against the family wishes. And when the rest of Einstein's body showed up to be cremated, um, Albert's oldest son, Hans, sees what's missing and is outraged, is furious. And uh, obviously he's like, well, I know who did the autopsy. It's no secret. So he goes to Dr. Harvey, um, is very upset. And I don't know how Harvey does this, but he calms him down and says, hey, 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 I know what your dad wanted, but 
you got to understand, I'm doing this for the greater good, for the scientific community, for the world around us. So we're going to do a lot of research on your daddy's brain, and we're going to write a bunch of reports about it, and we're going to have a greater understanding of how uh, the brain works in smart people. And Hans, like, reluctant, reluctantly agreed to just say, okay, fine. You know, like, I, I don't know if there was any other um, conditions uh, on, uh, that the agreement was made under for him to keep the brain or not, but... See, that's not how I would have done it if I was Harvey. It. No. I would have had a backup brain on hand. Oh, and just put it, just gave him that and one. And been like, here it is. Yeah. And then, you know, like 20 years later, like when you're doing all the research and talking to people, you're like, hey, it's Albert's brain, but you can't actually say it's Einstein's brain because his family doesn't know, but to wait for son Hans to die. Yeah, something like that. Um, that's what he should have done. Hmm. I mean, not, not, I'm not saying, but I'm saying that's what I would have done if I was in his shoes. You got you to gotta plan ahead because what if Hans had not been reasonable? Yep. Yeah, what if? But luckily he was. So um, he took the brain home. He took a lot of pictures of it. A lot of pictures of it. That's weird. Then he... Now I want you to pose like this nope, for me. Nope, nope. Wait. It, it Did he weird. dress it up? Then he cuts it up into 240 different pieces and stored it into two mason jars filled with formaldehyde and celadin, uh, which are preserved. That's serial killer level stuff. Now he did this. Uh, he took all the pictures when it was in one piece. Uh -huh. so they could see like, okay, cool. This is actually what it looked like from all the angles. Um, and then he sectioned it up and, and cut it up so that he could look through like and understand different pathways. But also, he's a pathologist. He's not a brain doctor. Yeah. He's, like, he's by no means an expert. Um, yeah. 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 He's um, Dr. Frankenstein stealing brains. Mm -hmm. Um, now taking the brain of the world's most famous physician or physician of the world's most famous physicist, uh, without permission, um, did have a lot of professional consequences for Dr. Harvey. I would hope so. He, he lost his job at Princeton hospital. Um, good. Yeah. He eventually lost his medical license. Um, not immediately, just eventually. Okay. Typically, there is like a whole process that you had to go through and yeah, yeah, board uh, review and et cetera. Yeah. Also, his personal life suffered. Um, his wife divorced him. She found um, out he, she was his cousin. Well, no, she. That's the thing I heard. She kept finding. Stop bringing. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, no, <laughs> she kept finding like okay, we're both married you know, like we there, are yes there, there's moments like when like i know my wife is tired of like 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 hey like i'm tired of seeing like you're you know tired you, of dealing with your yeah, crap your crap everywhere but imagine my that. wife doesn't have that feeling no never i'm sure Ever. i'm sure you you never do anything wrong um well, I do. She just doesn't isn't able to understand the rightness of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, imagine that discussion. But instead of I'm tired of finding and dealing with all your crap. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired, tired of, finding of finding jars full of brains. Full of brain. Literally. <laughs> literally. 
She was sick and tired of it. And you can't get mad at me for having a whole bunch of like, like a, my pile of dirty clothes. <laughs> you can't be mad at me for like having a whole bunch of unsubstantiated rumors that I've been throwing out when you've been sitting on, I'm tired of walking around the house and finding your jars full of brains. Like you knew that was coming. You've been mad at me for saying, Hey, I heard a thing. <laughs> like I don't, that's just not fair. It's not right. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, she she would literally like just find jars of brains and section of brain all over the house. She got sick and tired of it. She started trying to throw them away, and Doctor Harvey would be like, he'd he'd find them. Former Doctor Harvey. Uh, for, well, he's still a Doctor Harvey at this point. Um, like he doesn't lose his medical license till like a decade later. Oh um, wow! Yeah, um, but yeah, he would he would get them back, and he would have to hide them. Um, he at one point started storing, uh, the brains that he had, oh, no. like they're still in the jars, you know, the, to preserve them, but he'd put them in a cider box underneath a beer cooler in his garage, oh <laughs> which gosh. like thinking of who Albert Einstein was like, that's so terrible that part of him is just like sitting in a jar underneath some dude's beer cooler. I don't know. I feel like he kind of deserved it. Okay. Yeah. Um, People aren't their worst mistakes, Andy. Not every people are, anyway. But talk. I know you're thinking. I know you're gonna. I know you want to say. Nope, something. I'm good. Nope, nope. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, we talked about Hitler in this episode. He's he is his worst mistake. So I will say that. Like he's he's bad. Yeah, Einstein's a good guy. Don't ruin. Don't ruin Einstein. He's. Overall. I didn't. I'm not the one telling the story. Uh -huh. You're the one who ruined you're, Einstein. You're the one that's reacting to the story in a you're way. You're the that one I, who. I'm sorry that I care for his wife and children. <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry that I see them as humans. It's not my fault. He murdered his first child okay. and ate her. No, like, my you, goodness. Okay. no, you can't keep saying that. We're going to get back <laughs> from who Hans is dead. Uh huh. And yeah. I did say it was an unsubstantiated rumor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can't hold me accountable for that. That's just a thing I heard. But yeah, so his wife divorced him. Uh, he then moved out to the Midwest where he took a series of jobs like practice, either practicing medicine or running research labs. So, OK, but what? Why? Like, I feel like the term practicing medicine works well in this case mm -hmm. because clearly he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, yeah. And so he's just practicing. <laughs> I feel like it really works in his in his specific instance. But yeah, he kept uh, he kept Einstein's brain for the next several decades, trying to unlock secrets of of Einstein's intelligence. How many people knew that he had Einstein's brain? Not How many. How was this not confiscated? It was it was mostly unknown until 1978. Oh my gosh! Um, more than two decades after Einstein had died. And how did he lose his medical license? When a reporter tracked Harvey down in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, so he lost his medical license in 1988. So another decade after it was like. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. After failing a three-day competency exam. <laughs> so, Dr. Harvey, thank you for coming in today. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we'd like for you to do for us, because we know you are a coroner, um, is we want to run you through a series of tests that basically encapsulate and give us an idea of how capable you are to handle certain instances that may or may not happen 
during an autopsy. So the first thing we're going to have you do is perform this autopsy on this body. Now, we're not going to tell you who, but this person is very famous. <laughs> and then they just walk away and they stand and watch and see what he does. And he tries to celebrate. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So he lost his medical license. He then, uh, I mean, he's still out West. Um, but from there he moves to, um, um, Lawrence, Kansas and took nothing good has ever happened in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, he took an assembly line job in a plastic factory. So quite okay. Downgrade (laughs) in terms of like, Hey, take what you can get. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he moved into a second-floor apartment above a gas station. Again, <laughs> All not right. living the best life. But but he's still probably got jars of Einstein's he brain. He still does. And he befriends a neighbor. Oh, my gosh. Uh, William Burroughs, who is a famous poet. Um, the two men would routinely meet for drinks on Burroughs' front porch. And doc- well, ex-Dr. Harvey at this point would tell stories about Einstein's brain. Burroughs, in turn, would boast to visitors, saying that he could have a piece of Einstein anytime he wanted. That that makes it sound like he was he could eat Einstein's brain anytime he wanted. Mm-hmm. So, um, I like we 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 said that he lost his medical license in 1988. Yes, he's had the brain since 1955. That's a it, long time. It wasn't until 1985, and um. It wasn't until then, when before anything officially was ever published due, from the supposed research that was actually being done on the brain. So 30 oh, years. took 30 research, years for anything to be published. And a lot of the research, and I say a lot, almost all the research that has been done on Einstein's brain is like kind of debunked as like pseudoscience. Hey, there's nothing well, special yeah. about it. Like it's just a brain. Um, it's actually a little smaller than the average human brain based in weight and size. Um, there was obviously portions of the brain that were larger on the like analytical, mathematical side, uh-huh. stuff like that. And other, other parts that weren't as developed, but that's, that's all that, all of that is already to be expected in any normal human that excels in certain things and doesn't excel. In Absolutely. Anything. Um, so honestly, there wasn't too much super special about it. Um, yeah, a lot of these story, uh, these theories, and these uh, pseudo scientific research papers and scientific research papers have been debunked um, by a lot of different universities. By Princeton. by anyone with a brain still yeah. in their head. Yep. Um, and I mean, he but he kept holding on to to. You know, a lot. I mean, and I say he kept holding on. He had all the major chunks, but 240 pieces is a lot of pieces of brain. That's a lot and, of brain to keep um, up with. And so he would he would just give pieces away to like what? not just like randos, but to like other scientists and other curious people. He had some some like pieces super thin that were in like like slides that you would put in like a microscope. Uh huh. And he would give those away all the time, and like all over the world. So he'd like travel the globe with it too, like just that's, going to different. Yeah, yeah. I did. That's creepy. Really creepy. Really weird. Hey kid, you want some brain? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Um. Oh yeah. Imagine being like a na- oh, like it thinly sliced or thickly sliced. Crazy old man Harvey's up there talking about how he's got Albert Einstein's brain, Mama. 
Uh, yeah, he he does, son. Let's no, not talk. No, ab- let's <laughs> not talk to him anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, because you know what I heard. What I, what, what did you hear, Andy? No, no, you you're gonna oh. be mad at me. So yeah. I'm not gonna say anything. Okay. You told yeah. me I had to stop it. Thank you. I, I'm, so I stopped myself. I appreciate that. But yeah, so all of that happened with Einstein's brain, which is really unfortunate. Now, in 2005, on the 50th anniversary of Einstein's death, um, ex-Dr. Harvey is now 92 years old. He gave official interviews regarding the history of the brain from his home in New Jersey. Harvey later So died. he now lives in New Jersey. He now lives in. Well, he he had Or was he doing it he from orig- like Einstein's home? No, he originally lived in New, New Jersey. He was on the Princeton Hospital uh, yeah. uh, staff. And, but he had left and he went back to New Jersey. Yep, he eventually moved back to New Jersey. I didn't think um, anyone would ever purposely move back to New Jersey after having been there previously. Yeah, I don't I don't get it either, but uh, I mean people live there so there's got to be some yeah but i feel like they don't have a choice Mm. yeah i've been to new jersey Mm -mm. now harvey did later die in 2007 at the age of 94 wow yeah ripe old age so what i heard is that eating brain helps you live longer so yeah he died and when he died um harvey's heirs took his brain no no no. harvey's heirs transferred all of his holdings and uh the like holdings like constituting remains of albert um and they gave them (laughs) back to well they gave i say back to the the family they gave them to the national museum of health and medicine like, I was about to say, like, can you imagine being a family member and all of a sudden you open your mailbox and there is pieces there's of a, brain. There's a, a granddad a brain. up in there. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Um, they also sent photos, 14 photographs of the whole brain, which, you know, had now been super fragmented. Uh, yeah. Had never before been revealed to the public. Wow. So like up till like 10 10 11 years ago like nobody had really seen pictures of einstein's brain uh in whole uh outside of his family like i said so much of it had been cut up and sent away and given away or lost or damaged or whatever like they've got some chunks that are a lot of the main chunks are still in, in new jersey they're at that uh, museum. Main chunks. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that would be a good episode title. The only other location on Earth that officially holds portions oh of, of Albert's brain is in Israel, and it's in a, a museum there. And they those uh, in Israel. There's like the slides, like the the okay, super yeah, thin slices of of the brain. Um, and those are the only two places, every other location that the brain may or may not exist in, um, are unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated, but the two, if you take what, what the two official locations have, you do not get a whole brain. You get like 60% of a brain. Well, yeah, yeah, that's because someone I heard was eating the brain to live longer. Okay. Okay. (laughs) 
Uh-huh. Let me see if... Okay, also, no. I like how there are two, like, legitimate places that are actual, like, places with legitimacy. And they know what Albert wanted and were like, screw him. Mm-hmm. We're literally going to put his stuff out here for people to come look at. Here's another train, by the way. Here is uh, a picture of uh, Thomas Harvey holding um, some of Einstein's brain in a... Ooh, I dropped it, sorry. In a jar. And I'm going to text it to you, too, because that's how I prefer to send my messages. Or I'll Snapchat it to you. That is a scary old man. Well, Why he, is he frowning so much? Holding, holding his life's work. Well, cause I mean, he's old I and favorite snack. A lot of old people. <laughs> or so of, I've heard a lot of old people frown all the time. All right. I just sent it to you. Yeah. It's uh. Now, he looks angry. I think he's upset about not being a doctor anymore. Here's another picture of him when he was younger. Um, it's in black and white. But you can actually see him with um, the brain and other jars, um, which sounds kind of gross. Just sent that one as well. And in that one, he does look kind of mad sciencey. Oh, um, that's so mad sciencey. Yeah. But for real, that's I mean, that's what he was. Mm -hmm. So that's. That's our story today of Albert Einstein's brain. Uh, originally, it was just going to be the brain theft, but I felt like, yeah, it would have been nice to learn a little bit about Albert's love life and, and other unknown facts. About See, him. I'm not happy that I learned about Albert's love life. Oh, but you had to, man. Like it, it, it painted a, a, a more real picture of him. It did, person. and I do appreciate that in some ways. Mm hmm but now I don't like him because I am on record on this podcast on previous things where if someone has abandoned their wife and children, I am not a fan of that person. Yeah, that's true. Like, I think that is one of the most despicable, horrible things a human being can do there. I'm on record with it and I don't care. I will continue to be on record with that. That's absolutely awful. I mean, I don't think you're going to get much pushback from, from our listeners uh, on that statement. Well, I'm saying it so when we get incredibly famous, mm -hmm. which I'm sure will absolutely positively happen I mean, with this podcast. We've got 30 listeners now. I mean, if each one of them shares this with another friend. It's just my mom listening 27 times. That's good for her. <laughs> she has nothing better to do. I'm her favorite child, so uh -huh. she, it's, it's all me all the time. Hey, I'm my mom's favorite child too, so that works. My brothers don't listen, so I can say that. Yeah, Grace doesn't listen either. <laughs> yeah. Suck it, siblings. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I thought it was an intriguing tale. Yeah, that's this week's episode. Cool. I um, I overall liked it. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I, you know, I I do not like that. I am now no longer a fan of Albert Einstein. But I do like the fact that now I know someone went around eating his, eating his brain. So I think there's, there's a win in, in the loss yeah, for I me. Just, I just have to, no one ate his brain. People. We just, don't know that. 
He was giving out pieces. You cannot tell me that he gave out like, I don't know, a hundred pieces of brain and no one that no, literally no one was like, I wonder if I get smarter, if I eat a smart person brain, <laughs> like I'm telling you, there's, I, I'm just saying people are weird and they're dumb and they're out there and there's no way that somebody with a piece of Albert Einstein's brain didn't think and have that thought process, even if they didn't follow through, but someone had the thought like, <laughs> maybe I'll be smart if I eat this. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's how it works, but I mean, it definitely, I'm not saying it does. I'm not saying that that's what I think. <laughs> I'm saying that I'm convinced that somebody who got a piece of his brain, the thought ran through their head, whether they act on it or not, I don't know, mm -hmm. but I'm telling you, someone had that thought guaranteed. I mean, it's, it's definitely possible. <laughs> um, definitely. Granted, I can't prove it. No, no. However, I will stake everything I am on that. Okay. Wow. Well, you heard it here first, uh, listeners, that he's... People ate Albert Einstein's brain. Yep. <laughs> thanks uh, Thanks for uh, listening to this week's episode of the Midnight Narwhals podcast. I, You're I welcome. Hope, I, hope it, uh, I hope it blessed your ears. Um, you can email us at uh, the Midnight Narwhal pod at gmail.com. Or... It's just Midnight Narwhal pod. Okay, you can email us at midnightnarwhalpod at gmail.com or at discountsharkweek at gmail.com. <laughs> Both of those belong to us. Please email us. Tell us what uh, what you think. Do you think people ate Albert's brain? Do um, you want to eat Albert's do you, brain? Do you have a piece of Albert's brain? If so, um, can you send it to me so I can eat it? I, I knew it. I knew this. <laughs> I freaking knew it. No, I'll just feed it to my kids, see what they think. <laughs> Make them smarter, yeah. Yeah. Um, Have little genius kids running around. Totally. Um, only side effect is that they all grow mustaches and crazy wild hair. It's the formaldehyde. Mm -hmm. No, but, uh, but thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, have a great week. We'll talk at you next time. I have been James. I am Andy. And protect your brains, y'all. It's a dangerous world out there. Protect your brains. We'll talk at you later. Bye. Bye-bye.